You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hi, everybody out there in One of Us world. This is Matt Foster. And I'm Trevor Teacher-Heo. You may have heard one, the other, or both of us on Screener Squad. Or maybe you heard neither of us. That's not helpful. You can atone if you've heard neither of us by listening to Screener Squad or by catching our show, the Nighthawks podcast. Oh, good save. Yeah, take a seat in the Nighthawks diner with us. Get ready to get to the granular grist of the movies we love. And sometimes the movies we like really hard. You can find us on Spotify, Audible, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and always at nighthawkspodcast.com. Hey, we got a bunch more Fantastic Fest movies to talk about how we're still watching Fantastic Fest movies thanks to them adding the FF at home this year for people who couldn't make it actually to the festival in person. You could buy a badge and watch a whole slew of stuff at home that I thought was pretty cool. They added like some favorites from previous years to that as well. I was like, ooh, that's a neato, nice little service. I presume they will do this again in the future. For So for those of you who are like, man, I cannot afford like the thousand or so dollars it would take to get to Austin, get a hotel, get a badge. You could always just watch it from the comfort of your own own home as well. But joining me, I got a different crew than the previous two review shows we've done for this. I've got Neil Anderson. Greetings. Ray Anderson. Hello. Trevor Trujillo. Hello. And Matt Foster. How's it going? I say it like that because he's going to be the bad guy. <laughs> can you do that? What are you talking about? You can, can tell because he has a beard. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a beard here except me and Ray, so I don't know what that means. You're outnumbered. You're doomed. (laughs) Yeah, we're the plucky young underdogs (laughs) fighting all the McBeardos. Anyway, we have a bunch of movies to talk about this week. Let's start by talking about the first one, Let the Wrong One In. And I know the first thing you're thinking is, did you say that wrong? Is this yet another remake of Let the Right One In? No, it's a cute Irish vampire satire that's not specifically a spoof of let the right one in just the title is and that should give you everything you need to know about the type of spoof that we're talking about here this guy uh matt he's lives with his mom his older brother shows up looking terrible turns out he has gotten bitten by a vampire he has turned into a vampire but and he's craving all the blood like like you do when you're a vampire, but he doesn't really want to be a vampire. And his mom is like, doesn't trust him, doesn't want him in the house. So Matt is sort of covering for him there. And he said, well, what are we going to do? I can't let you go kill people or anything, much less me. Uh, there's got to be some sort of fix to this. And to make things even worse, suddenly a guy comes out, a vampire slayer played by love, lovely enough. Anthony head, who people know as Rupert Giles on Buffy, the vampire slayer playing a very uh, similar type character in some ways, except instead of being a scholarly type here, he's a cab driver turned slayer who is 
Turns out his sort of patient zero for the city was his fiance, who's kind of become a vampire queen, is intent on killing everyone in the city. So other than that, that's about as much plot as I feel like is necessary to describe for this one, other than to give you the idea. This is just a goofy, blood-drenched, straight-ahead, wishing-that-you-had-subtitles-available horror comedy. Only for the brother. When he got rolling with... The Irish accent and fangs. I think it it was like what do you, wait what do you say? Yeah, the the yeah. Deco is the character's name, and he's he's on par with uh, Spud and Train Spotting. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a uh, you could call it since their brother is a brogue. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's too easy, Chris. Chris, I didn't be... see this one, so I'll just Ed McMahon you. <laughs> that yes. was funnier than some of the stuff in this. You know, I think this is lightly funny. There's a lot of horror comedies that I feel like fall into this middle road of horror comedy where you're like, look, there's some good ideas in here. Some stuff works. Some stuff doesn't. It doesn't seem to have like a bigger like gotcha plan for the end. Like there's no point like, you know what? This w- We make this a movie because we have the perfect way to end it. There's nothing like that here. It's just like, oh, isn't this kind of a goofy thing? Irish horror comedy. I mean, there's not much to it, but if Irish goofy bro comedy is your thing and and you like vampires this could be your thing there's nothing wrong with it it's it's no, definitely I'm, I'm, oh go ahead sorry matt go ahead oh i was gonna say it's definitely not the funniest irish bro comedy i've ever seen at fantastic fest that would be the young offenders hmm long live long live fake billy um <laughs> but but I, I i was tickled like i was i was fine it's a good um it was funny the tone was pretty consistent it it definitely um it is an intentional horror comedy um not one of those ones where they looked at the dailies and and go well we'll just play this for camp um <laughs> i liked i liked the vampire hindu and i wanted to know more about their internal politics which I've never heard that term before. A Hindu, which is basically a bachelorette party, I guess. Yes. Or, or I like a Hindu. Is that must yes. be a British thing? Yeah, it, it is. Hens, a hens party is is all women. Whenever you do okay. that over there, because all your party. fine Irish bachelorette parties end up in Transylvania, drunk off their ass. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I could see having a bachelor party in Transylvania, but that's me. I think they already made that movie. To be fair, I I do love but, the the little detail that the um the actual originating vampire that you're wondering what the hell happened to him. At mm-hmm. at some point, he does like just just um Easter egg, uh, pop out of one of their cars and run for it because he's yeah. he, he realizes what he the horror that he has unleashed. <laughs> yeah, I'm but I'm with you, Chris. I had exactly the same reaction. I think there are funny things in here. I, you know, I think it's, it's a fine movie. I don't think it's the best horror comedy I've ever seen, but it is kind of delightful in places. And, you know, you can just watch it and have fun with it. I, I was ready for it though. I think right at the outset, when they set that tone of the very, very first picture is of course the, the castle in Transylvania. And there's just an amazing amount of lightning going off and thunder, go, you know, everything going off uh, over this castle, that would never happen, you know, in real life. And then you get that title card that is done in that font that we are so familiar with from like, you know, the horror, the the hammer horrors and things like that. So I was ready for it. So I, I found it kind of charming. 
It was weird, though, how it was, uh, you know, could be seen as a bit misogynist since every female character in this is kind of a terrible, terrible person and largely a vampire with the exception of the mom. And she ain't exactly a great person herself. But then I thought about more like, you know what? Everybody in this movie is not a good character. Even the arguable the protagonist, the younger brother, is a complete idiot. (laughs) True. True. I mean, the vampire hunter is like, yeah, you're kind of, you don't have much in the way of compassion for anyone as you do this. And it thinks you, you, one would think you would considering it was your fiance who got turned. Well, and, um, I, I kind of like the, um, I found the, the character that is just like, yes, just make me a vampire. Like I, I always find that refreshing because, and then, (laughs) then he does it. He's not like, no, you don't want this. It's going to, you know. It's a terrible burden. They're like, yeah, let's 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 uh, spread the superpowers. I did like fun... that. That character wanting it turning quick. I did. That was one of the yeah. things I did like. And then trying to figure out, can I turn into a bat? Like they're yeah. getting into more of say, okay. If I'm stuck with this, what can I do with it? As they get into some of the gimmickry and 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 vampire lore, I always like it when they're like, well, what can you do and what can't you do in any given thing? There's actually a amazon movie right now that's doing a vampire thing we're like no 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 no, don't worry they can't come in unless you're invited and they came in it's like what i said it said you can't come in unless they're invited i was wrong <laughs> that, that sort of thing always makes me laugh and this one going oh wait they can turn into a bat uh how does that work and of course the older brother is such an idiot that like he's gonna have problems with it and even when he finally does do it he's not gonna do it 100 percent correctly <laughs> well and then actually that for me this is a rare movie that that got better as it built up steam because it was Mm. like by the time they're like okay last third of the movie this is now a silly movie like full on you know and uh they they turned up the gore coming out of a hose to 11 and the the bat gag they do use is pretty is dopey but it fit the tone um so it, it won me over um after the seventh inning um yeah, so. I, I think I liked it better in the third act than I did in the first two, once it's like full ahead. But there's still a lot of stuff you're like, I'm not sure what level this is like supposed to feel plausible, even within the mythos of a vampire thing or not, because it just doesn't quite know what level it wants its absurdity to be at. But when the final shot is of a vampire bunny, I was like, OK, I guess we're at 11. That was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on to our next one, which is Sweetie, You Won't Believe It. Now. My thoughts about what a movie called Sweetie You Won't Believe It didn't even faintly resemble what this movie actually is. And also, this is a movie... I don't believe it. I don't believe it. This is a movie from made from and in Kazakhstan. I was like, oh, I thought for a while that was a made-up country. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I I thought from Borat, I was like, they couldn't possibly have used a real country for this. It's like, yes, yes, they did. No, and they had opinions. (laughs) <laughs> they did. And and Kazakhstan's like, well, fuck you. We're going to start making movies. And lo and behold, they're not that bad at it at all. In fact, uh, this follows Dastan, who is being just constantly berated by his about to give birth wife, but is like, okay, I have to get out of here. And you, quite frankly, cannot blame him. It, like, she's just nonstop harassing him, giving him shit, yeah, calling she- him names. She's she, horrible. She walks into the bathroom and, and stands between his knees and keeps yelling at him about his job while he's uh, dropping a deuce. 
<laughs> yeah. So he's like, oh, screw it. I'm going on a fishing trip uh, with my friends. <laughs> One of them, Armand, who's a sec- uh, unsuccessful sex toy salesman. He's got a van filled with, uh, you know, defective inflatable love dolls and dildos and what have you. And uh, policeman, Muram. But none of them have actually gone fishing before. In fact, they assume he's just lying to her about fishing uh, as an excuse to do something else. But he's like, no, no, no we're going to do this. And uh, so they go out there with one of their boats just being, they've got like a real boat. And then they got one that's just a bunch of inflatable sex dolls that have been roped together as one, which is cute. And they accidentally witness a group of people just as inept, if not more so than they are, who are, but who are criminals, who are there to threaten and threaten to kill a guy. And then they accidentally do kill a guy, but right in front of them. And so like, shit, okay. And the criminal's like, we're not, we didn't mean to kill this guy, but now don't we have to kill these guys? So they start chasing him. So it looks like it's going to be that kind of movie, but oh ho, there's a much bigger threat is there's a heavily scarred, one-eyed, bald man who is... Uh, fl- hovering around in the woods and apparently the guys the, the the criminals accidentally hit his dog with their car earlier so now he's pissed and wants revenge and so he starts one at a time just horribly murdering these uh these criminals as they get separated you're not sure how long our heroes will be safe for i say heroes i mean they're a bunch of doofuses really but this is straight up a horror comedy that's heavy on the gore front it is one of only two horror comedies i can or horror films i can even think of that martial arts are a big part of the other being malignant (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's just not that's just not a common thread in in like horror films really and i had just had a fantastic time with this these friends they're all nobody's likable but they grow on you over the movie anyway well they're, and the guy who's the killer is just so relentless there are also the kazakhstani um i don't know if they're called rednecks in kazakhstan but the rural innkeeper and his mm-hmm. uh his his uh what's the daughter. phrase um his daughter unmarried you know the um never yeah, mind it's not a, important spinster that's what unmarried, I was going for. hideous daughter <laughs> unmarried for good reason yeah they introduce little side characters like that in here to give it more color as this the worst day ever basically not yeah, a well, and party. I hate to do this because you know to compare a movie to other movies is, I think, does a disservice. This is a very good standalone movie. If you haven't seen anything else that I'm going to mention, it doesn't matter. But this was the perfect way to kick off Fantastic Fest at home for me because it is it has like a little slice of the loved ones. It has a little slice of. Um, you know, other little Fantastic Fest movies that we've seen here and there. One Cut of the Dead. Um, it's got the, the violence and horror comedy push-pull of a Tucker and Dale versus Evil. It's got, uh, you know, just a lot of these different elements that reminded me of Fantastic Fest past. And it just kind of hit me like a drug. And I'm just like, oh, yes, this is what I missed. This is what I needed. This is oh. This is the shot of Fantastic Fest at home that I need to recharge me for another year. Trevor, did you wish you'd seen it with an audience, though? Oh, I mean, absolutely. This, this, absolutely. Absolutely. This is one of those that even though I really enjoyed it at home, I really wish I had seen this in an audience and gotten that reaction and everything. Because, yeah, I think that would have made it even better than it is. 
I watched this one at home as well. And I remember going about halfway through, fuck, I should have just signed up for this. Cause it is like sort of over the top and bigger than life. And one of those ones that demand a crowd to be just laughing uproariously. And then they're not even done laughing before something super violent and horrible happens to the thing you're laughing, the character you're laughing at. Uh, so it was just, uh, Trevor Ray and I, who saw this one. No, I saw it too. I, oh, I did no, I not it. like the first third, first half. Like once we get out, in the woods after the accidental execution, it picks up, but they try so goddamn hard. So we get the point. She's not a likable person. And then we spend 10 more minutes proving to you. She's not a likable person. We get it. Why are they even together? Maybe it's because <laughs> the baby don't know. And then when we're heading out of town, nobody's this stupid, this little group and the, the gangster little group this comedy of stupidity or chain of stupidity leads to the the hermit getting roped into it. Uh, but then after that, I, I did start to like it a lot more. So the first third, uh, I was just rolling my eyes. The back two thirds, okay, it was getting better. They, they threw those little slices like Trevor said in and did a good job with it. They didn't like dig in too much at one spot. They kept moving. And then it kind of earns its title of now the shit's getting really unbelievable and I just need to get back to town. Um, but things keep getting in the way. So I'm it, kind it, of a two minds of it. For me, it was two movies and I did not like the first one. It gets very Three Stooges horror comedy for certain. Not, I would say, in the Raimi-ish sense. Uh, three but Stooges literally exactly in what the, I said. Yeah, literally mm -hmm. in the three characters who are like three very distinct characters, each dumb in their own way, <laughs> you know, who are somehow surviving through this series of horrible shit happening around them and to them. And I think at that level, I really enjoyed it. I agree. They overplayed the wife to the point where it was like, this is ridiculous. Come on. <laughs> and then at the well, end, it's like, well, forget about all that. She's nice now. It, it was awkward for me because this situation represents exactly what I'm like our original plan to go to fantastic fest before life got in the way was going to be this trip for me mm. as my kind of last hurrah, because I've got a girlfriend with a baby on the way. And so she and I are watching this at home going, huh? Well, we would have handled this better. <laughs> <laughs> right from the beginning. I would hope so. I would hope. Yeah. <laughs> right Trevor, are you still recording that review in there? What I say, get me some dinner, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to our final film we're going to discuss, which is Netflix's There's Someone Inside Your House. Now, I got to admit, I was really excited for this one because I'm a sizable fan of Patrick Bryce's two films called Creep and Creep 2 that he did with uh, Mark Duplass playing the least likely serial killer that you would expect. I think it's one of the, it's a found footage films. They're very, very funny in their sort of creeping insidious way. Like you don't realize they're a comedy until you do type of movies. But I was like, these are so clever and there's a lot of social commentary in there, but it's smartly inserted into there, almost sort of nuanced that the slasher teen horror film adapted from a 2017 novel of the same name. There's someone inside your house. I was like, okay, well, let's see what you got to offer. And I hate to tell you guys, but I kind of fucking hated this movie. <laughs> I thought Aww. it was just super, super, super unnuanced, not subtle on any level, not entertaining. But before I even, I shouldn't even be bitching about it before I say what is actually going on in this particular movie. 
Whew. Anyway, uh, Makani Young, played by Sydney Park, has moved from Hawaii to small town Nebraska to live with her grandmother and finish out high school because something dark happened to her in her hometown. Something bad happened and that they don't get into a little bit later. But we find out that there is a serial killer who is stalking and killing several of her classmates who wear when he sees them uh, life face masks. So he looks, you know, not just like them because it's like, you know. You know, it's not like one of those movies they have a super ultra realistic. Oh my God! It's like he's actually killing himself. But you know, a, a plasticish type face mask. So he kills them each time. Before he does, he basically shows them their, confronts them with their dark secrets of whatever that particular secret there is. Uh, like in you know, there's a jock who's rapey, and there's a girl who secretly does podcasts for uh, white alt right white Nazi Nazi type stuff and things like that. But as she and her friends start realizing that, well, maybe nobody is going to help except us. Nobody's going to figure out this except us. The killer starts maybe pointing his attentions or her attentions towards them. You know, I wanted this to be a lot more clever than it ended up being. I think it thought it was a lot more clever than it was. It kind of started feeling like it was going to be like Heather's or something like that. Like, oh, this is kind of a smart, nuanced, uh, dark social uh, comedy and i just felt like it's just throwing in everything it can to reference the it's a very modern now film but doesn't really have anything to say about any of those things on the whole it's like yeah that's bad okay let's move on i, I just felt like a mess none of the gore was any good and number one rule of a slasher film is the kills at, at least half the kills should be wow that was cool this has like none really that were most of them are off camera for that matter. We got one good kill I, I think. At the very very end. Uh no, number 2 in the confessional. Oh uh, really? Eh. I thought that <laughs> one was slick. Now the others were uh, slick. But, but there's also like how do you I I don't there's a lot of stuff in here that just bugged me. I thought not, none of the performances except for the lead girl were particularly good here. All the characters are very one-dimensional. I mean, I get it. We're talking about a slasher movie, but this is a slasher movie that clearly has pretensions of being better than just a slasher movie and I thought it failed at all of those. I thought the very first part, you know, that that happens before the title card comes up. I thought that was suspenseful. I thought we're getting into it. I thought this is, you know, yes, I, I was expecting all of these good things. And yes, all of a sudden you realize there's someone else in the house and it was, it, it was done very well. And then, yeah, the rest of the movie, I liked it, but I, I didn't love it as much as I loved the whole setup. It just kind of sat there in a lot of ways. And that was a little bit disappointing. I ended up, I ended up liking the end again, but not loving the end. And I think that there had needed to be something, there was something missing. And, and I'm not sure exactly what it was that let me, left me flat, but definitely the rest of the movie left me flatter than everything that happened before the title card comes up. Well, and that first kill is the only one that plays on the title, the fear that someone has invaded your house. There's a threat mm -hmm. inside your safe spot of at home. You're supposed to feel safe. None of the other stalkings, kills, or anything are in anyone's houses, their own houses. Uh, and I think for me, I was disappointed too, because we get to the the end, and to avoid spoilers, the killer's motivations are shit, and they're really not played into. They're glazed over in a few seconds and gone. I think... I, I think there was a grander allegory there that I... Yeah, it's the... I mean, it's I their, thought it was neat, but... It's their house I, with a I capital H. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's there. But yeah, I, it's, I thought this was fun. Um, I don't know if I just, the, you know, I was so over the moon with the uh, the other film, the Sweetie, You Won't Believe This. I, I was ready to just enjoy anything. And this was my second <laughs> film of the festival. And I I liked it. I thought there was some clever setup and payoff. It's not remarkable. It's not anything that's... It's not the scream of our generation or anything. But it did kind of remind me of the MTV Scream TV show, the first season of that. Oh, totally and, reminded me of that. <laughs> and, you know, I enjoyed that enough that this this was fun. It's like, oh, hey, it's a slasher movie. It's a little superficial. It's It's got some social allegory here and there, but it's not leaning on it as as a device to carry this movie. It's just you know teenagers killing each other and i was on board for that and it was fine i enjoyed myself and had fun with my ticket yeah i think that's just it though it feels like these were the notes for a season of a show either scream or slasher or something like that one of those shows that are exclusively slasher movie bunch of teenagers but over a whole season because there's a lot of characters here and it feels like they're beginning to explore some interesting stuff. Like, there's the whole thing, like, the main girl has a secret boyfriend that nobody else likes because he's a bad boy. You're right? And you're like, oh, well, this is, they're like, oh, uh, he must be the killer. And, you know, anybody, anybody who's seen more than three slasher films knows that's clearly not the killer. <laughs> like, obviously, he's not the guy. Um, any movie that, that that's clearly pointed. But those are all elements that are still, like, feel like part of a longer running, this would have played out in a bigger way and it makes me wonder if this was one of those we got this thing we passed down on a tv show but what do you think about adapting it into a film script that's what it felt like and i i don't think that's an unfair criticism but like you know with that situation i just uh I, i'm rambling now matt matt what did you how did you feel <laughs> I, about this you've been on quiet over there. i Bail just had out. i had fun i found it um pretty much just just nice and pure maybe a little pg-13 but it is <laughs> It is like, it, what struck me about it is that it was kind of, it's kind of a young adult, like training wheels horror movie. And they don't all have to be, except for that one, um, the thing in the dressing room. Um, that was spooky. I don't like that. That's one of my least favorite pieces of gore possible. Um, <laughs> it's sort of my, uh, a kill. Uh Oh, um, <laughs> what, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's a spoiler. But I, I, I think mean, uh, I think not everything you know has to be uh, Wolf Creek, and I do, <laughs> I, I do think Thank this God. this is actually for people of the age depicted, and it's right for them. Okay, but I would argue, yeah, they just made some of those that were actually really good called Fear Street. Those were quite good for people of that age and a sort of entry level slasher horror series. Why? What did we need this for? Well, I mean, for every Friday the Thirteenth, there's uh, the burning or uh, <laughs> my bloody like you know. There's the good stuff, and then there's the other stuff, and this is just the other stuff. What if you it, it What if you liked just... a movie and you want to watch another one and not watch that one again, Chris? Like, <laughs> well, there's there's plenty of others that were previously made that aren't on Netflix. I don't know. Sorry. I just, I really didn't. I, I, I just hated more than anything. It wasn't the fact that there wasn't enough gore. I can live with that. I've seen lots of horror movies without that much gore that are still great. It wasn't the fact that, like, it was wildly predictable. It was that it just, it faints at so many things just to, like, hold up a card and say, look how woke we are, which I'm like, great. 
Except make it mean something. Make the movie about it and not make it just everyone's wearing placeholder placards for bringing up any possibly relevant topic to today. It was just like, this is just annoying. It's a, it's a, it's like Homer's makeup gun of like <laughs> of left wing <laughs> topics shot at the screen. I, I was like, okay, but, uh, that's just you basically letting us know that you feel that way and not doing anything with it. I don't know. I just found it kind of weirdly, possibly cynical. I'm like wondering, maybe he doesn't actually like all these things. <laughs> well, I don't know about the book, but it kind of feels like they designed the look of the killer and then reversed out from it. Because mm-hmm. these people's secrets that the killer's confronting them with before they die, most of them aren't those bad of secrets or biggest secrets the first one uh our opening apparently a shitload of people knew about it it's just Mm -hmm. he didn't like the killer didn't like it the second one's probably the darkest secret and then the third one the third victim secret is weak as shit as a secret of why you're gonna uh stalk this person and kill them um you stole some pills from your mom that's it like (laughs) yeah and it all appears to be a MacGuffin for something else, which there isn't a great payoff for. Yeah. At the and end. Does it make sense? His reasoning at the end for some of the people who tried to kill were just like, I mean, at least it would have made sense if they went scream with it. And he's like, Oh, well the cops are really close to my tail. They were starting to figure it out. So I had to do a killing to throw them off and throw them in a different direction. But there's none of that. It's just like, I just got bored and felt like killing somebody, I guess. I don't well, know. The whole, the whole <laughs> thing is uh, you, you can't, you can't talk about it without a spoiler, but Sure. No, I know. Sorry. You'll have to watch it for yourself on Netflix and you can privately message Matt Foster and he will let you know what he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> and his address is, oh, sorry. No, that would be a spoiler. Anyway, uh, can, that's going to wrap up this particular episode. We will be back more with more reviews soon because we have so many more movies to talk about that we saw. Thank you for listening. And uh, thanks to Neil, Ray, Matt, and Trevor. You want to listen to the Nighthawks podcast with Trevor and Matt, who I'm sure will be doing some coverage of their own of some of the films here. Am I wrong? No, we are, uh, we've got a month of uh, Halloween episodes to get through, and then uh, we'll have our Fantastic Fest coverage probably uh, early this fall. Right on. So you'll get to actually hear what Matt's secrets are on the Nighthawks podcast. I don't... Oh, I... No guarantees? (laughs) 